0: If you're a conservative, fundamental evangelical, you'd say that the news probably isn't good. If you're a liberal, you're thrilled. We're going to talk about that tonight. I want you to turn in your Bibles tonight, if you have it with you, to the 23rd Psalm. Psalm 23. This is the first Bible chapter I ever memorized, and I memorized it in King James. Now, I haven't, I'm not a King Jameser. I know some of you are, and and and, and that's wonderful. I just don't speak it that way, but that's okay if you do it. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. What amazes me as we come up with a contemporary, more current translations, more, more uh, modern English translations, they don't repudiate the King James. They actually Validate the King James it's amazing that when, when the King James version was written several hundred years ago it, was, it had to have been anointed by the Holy Spirit because there's no other explanation how the newer manuscripts or the older manuscripts that they've discovered validate what the translators said in the King James version and of course I have a dear friend he's, he's with the Lord now but he told me, if the King James Version was good enough for the Apostle Paul, it should be good enough for all of us. We're going to do the King James Version of the 23rd Psalm tonight, because that's the one I've memorized. So if you're following along in the NIV, or the ESV, or the PDQ, or, or whatever translation you're following, following along, it, it's the same message. And before I before I read that, I want to give the backstory to you because this is a psalm that is often recited or read at funerals. It's called the pastoral psalm because it's so calming and so soothing. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. But the backstory of this is completely different. The backstory of this is. King David's son Absalom was positioning himself for rebellion against his father. He had worked to to bring people into into his leadership, and, and he had actually proclaimed himself to be king. And when the word came to David that his son Absalom had proclaimed himself to be king, David fled. They told him, you better get out of Dodge, because Absalom is going to be out after you. He's going to want to kill you so that he can officially succeed you to the throne. You see, that's the way it worked in those days. You knocked off the king, and then you became king. And if you read throughout the, the Old Testament, that happened over and over and over again. So so David fled Jerusalem, concerned for his own safety, for his well-being. And it's under those circumstances that he actually wrote the 23rd Psalm. It's not a, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want it. I, I can picture him, him gritting his teeth as he says it, and he's reminding himself, the Lord is my shepherd. It's a good thing you're not sitting closer, or you'd have just gotten showered. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's read that together. Would you stand as we recite the Lord's Prayer together? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runneth over. No, no, no. Thou anointest anointest my head with oil. That's why they always say, write your scriptures down. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Father, as I share the word that you put on my heart tonight, I pray, Lord, that you would enable me to communicate clearly what I believe you're wanting to say to these people tonight. Lord, if there's anything I say tonight that's not from you, I just pray you bind it from their hearing. Those things that are of you, I pray you bind them in their hearts and their minds, and that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The Lord is my shepherd. In the Lord, I have position. Everybody say position. I have position. You see, it's our position that makes everything else possible. It's our position that makes it happen. And our position is ours by grace. It says in Ephesians, by grace you are saved through faith. It's by grace you are saved. I want you to look at this picture coming up here. How many of you've ever been to the Grand Canyon? Okay. Now, those of you who have been to the Grand Canyon, does that picture do it justice? No, sure. There's no way. I can remember when when we we were on our way back from Phoenix to uh, uh, to to home and. I realized we're passing that close to the Grand Canyon. It would be foolish to not go ahead and go by there. I can remember when we came around that corner, and there it was in all its majesty. I've been awestruck maybe two or three times in my life. One of the most awestruck moments I've ever had is when I came around the corner, and there it was. And those of you who have been there know exactly what I'm talking about. The other time I was that awestruck was the first, uh, February 28, 1980, when this pretty redhead picked me up to take me to a wedding and she was, oh, she made my heart go pitter-patter. She still makes my heart go pitter-patter. You see, until you actually experience seeing the Grand Canyon, you can't really appreciate it. And until you've really experienced grace... You can't appreciate it either. We can talk about grace. We can, we can try to define grace as unmerited favor. We can talk about all those things, about how, how grace brings us into the presence of God. But in, until you actually experience for yourself the grace of God, you can't really appreciate it. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to talk to somebody. Because you need to find out what it is that's keeping you from experiencing grace in all of its fullest measure. Because it's by grace we are saved through faith. In fact, talking about our position uh, in, in Ephesians, it says, But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come He might show the surpassing riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We are, where are we positioned? We're positioned with Jesus in heavenly places. I don't know about you, but that lights my shucks. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, you might not be familiar with that term. There's a, there, there, there's, there's a, a Western or a, a, a Midwestern expression when they, when they burn the cornfields down, they say, If that don't light your shucks, your shucks is wet. You see, my shucks are lit because this excites me to understand that where I am is positioned with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. Yeah, that's a real good place to say amen. (laughs) Amen. In the Lord, I have position. I shall not want. In the Lord, I have provision. Philippians chapter 4, verse 9 tells us that when we're faithful, my God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He is our provider we used to sing that song, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. In, in Matthew chapter 6, at the end of the chapter, he says, Quit sweating the small stuff, quit sweating. This is the Dixon translation, you understand. Quit worrying about whether or not your provision is going to be there. Just seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all the stuff you need is going to be added to you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my provision. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake in the Lord, I have peace now i don 't know if, if any of you have been around sheep, but sheep are very, very skittish. when I was much younger, we had some good friends that had a sheep farm, and we would go out and we'd work the sheep a little bit. Sheep are very, very skittish, and the least little they're ner- i mean they're, they are so nervous i can 't even begin to explain how nervous. Sheep are. And it's in order for a sheep to lie down, everything just has to be perfect. There has to be peace and tranquility in order for the sheep to be able to lie down. And as far as still waters is concerned, sheep will not go anywhere near running water. They just won't do it. The waters have to be peaceful and still and quiet and tranquil, or they're just not going to come. They're just, they just, they'll do their sheep thing and scatter. You know, there's a good reason, by the way, why we need a shepherd. It's because we are like sheep, and sheep are the dumbest animals in the barnyard. Now, you can take that wherever you want to take it, but what that says to me is, I need a shepherd because I'm the dumbest animal in the barnyard. And Marcia said, Amen. in the Lord I have peace in Philippians chapter 4 Paul writes these words rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice now in biblical days when they repeated something that meant you pay attention to this it's kind of like you parents if you have to repeat something, that means you didn't pay attention the first time. You better pay attention to what I'm saying if you know what's good for you. Ever heard that one? Any of you? Any of you? Uh-huh. I did. I grew up with that. You better pay attention. So you better pay attention to this one. He says, rejoice in the Lord, and the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Okay, so let's just say rejoice. You ready? One, two, three. Rejoice. Oh, come on. Y'all can do better than that. Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. The Lord is near. Let your title be Spirit. Be known, to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Okay, I want to make sure you heard that. It says, "Be anxious for nothing." What is nothing? Nothing, nothing? It's not a zip, zero, zilch, right? So, what are we supposed to be anxious for? Nothing. nothing. Nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding or all comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When we are in Christ, we can have peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding. This one, this one always touches my heart, and you'll understand when I share the, the story behind it. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow. I'm doing this in my preacher voice. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. In the Lord, we have Protection. 1995, and some of you have heard this story. Most of you probably haven't. 1995, Marsha had a debilitating brain disease. It was a viral infection that was destroying her brain cells. They could not figure out what it is. We had a a team of a a dozen, literally a dozen doctors that were working on the case. And and they could not figure out what was wrong. All they knew is she, she kept getting worse and worse and worse. And Jeff will tell you, she got meaner and meaner and meaner. To the point that we wound up taking her to the Mayo Clinic. And the boys said, if they can't figure out what's wrong, just leave her up there, would you? (laughs) It must have been your brother that said that, huh? Absolutely. (laughs) They said she might die. Now, our dear friend Valerie is right here, and she just lost her mom people are going to die. Hey, I'm going to die. Unless the Lord comes back before I draw my last breath, draw my last breath on earth, I'm going to die. Death is life is terminal. There's just no way around it, okay? <coughs> so, excuse me. So, we're dealing with with Marcia who's a young woman, and they say she might die. Well, some of you have experienced being told that you have a relative that might die or was dying, and you can relate to what I might have been experiencing at that time when they told me that Marcia might die. I mean, I was, I was, I can't even use words to describe what I was sensing at that point. I can't say it was despair or fear. I just knew that this was not news that I wanted to hear. And I was in the park parking lot of the hospital, St. John's, there in Tulsa. That's where she was, where she was uh, a patient. We were in the hospital at St. John's in Tulsa, and the Lord spoke to me that this sickness that Marcia has is not unto death, it's merely a shadow. And no shadow has ever killed anyone. So when I read this scripture that says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That one has special meaning to me. Because that was a that was a rhema word which is what that was. You see there's the logos word and there's the rhema word. The logos word is the written word of God. When the word of God becomes real, when it becomes spoken or where it is made manifest, it becomes the rhema word. And that was a rhema word for me something that I could hang on. Some of you tonight may need a rhema word. Well maybe, just maybe tonight out of this message you can find that rhema word that you need. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil. I have protection. God is my protector. He's my shield and my buckler. He is the one well, let me go on. I'll come back to that, okay? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In the Lord I have providence. That means my future is secure in Jesus. You see, my past is forgiven. My present is... is is. I can't think of the word. And my future is secure. There's some word in there. I'm having a senior moment. Uh, My future is secure. Because the word of God promises that goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house forever. You know what that means is even when I draw my last breath on this side of heaven, I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven well that's another shucking thought for me because you know when i die i'm not really dead i'm just i've got a new change i've got i've have to submit a change of address because my address will no longer be 3900 west locust street rogers arkansas my address address will be heaven i don't know what my house number will be but if you don't like me you better start liking me because it would be just like God to put me next door to you in, the, in, in, your, in your mansion. <laughs> Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. When we are positioned in Christ, we have hope. We have a future. I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I haven't watched the news today, so I don't know what's going on in terms of the the presidential turmoil, and I that's what I would call it, the presidential turmoil, but I know this. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So what does all this mean to us today? Well, it is true that our nation is in turmoil. Our nation is divided. We have people that are rejoicing because Trump is defeated. We are people have rejoiced, Are 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 disappointed and heartbroken because Trump is defeated. And a lot of people are operating in fear because of the outcome or the apparent outcome of this election. And all you have to do is go on Facebook. There are people who are absolutely convinced that the election's going to be overturned and Trump is going to do a second term. There are other people that are convinced that Trump ought to just concede and get on with life and move to a retirement center. I don't know what the outcome is going to be. I have no idea. Here's what I do know. I know from Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. It says, go back to the other slide first. I don't want that one yet. There we go. No, was that? Okay. Go back to that one. It's okay. Go back back to the one, that one. Okay. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and said, Are you a Democrat or a Republican? No, that's not really what he said. What he said was, are you for us or for the other side? Here's what the captain of the host said. He says, neither, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have come. Now, I think it's kind of funny. You know, this is the, I'm, I'm convinced, as many Bible scholars are, that this is the pre-incarnate Jesus that is appearing to Joshua Joshua's uh, name in Hebrew is Yeshua, Jesus name in Hebrew is Yeshua so I think it's kind of interesting that Yeshua is having a conversation with Yeshua, it doesn't have anything to do with my message tonight, I just think it's kind of shoot that rabbit, Uh, anyway here's what I know when we hanged our identity in Christ, we should not fear it. doesn't matter. I, 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 yes, I'm a citizen of the United States of America. I voted. I'm not ashamed to tell you how I voted as a conservative right wing fundamental evangelical who carries guns. You have a pretty good idea how I voted. Amen. But regardless of the outcome, My life does not depend on who gets elected president of the United States. My life depends on who's sitting on the throne. And Jesus Christ is still on the throne of God. And that's a good place for you to shout. Jesus Christ is still on the throne. And because I have my identity in Christ, I know I have provision. When you have your identity in Christ, you know you have provision. When you have your identity in Christ, when I have my identity in Christ, we have peace. And I don't know about you, but I think our nation needs peace. That means what our nation really needs is not a Trump or a Biden. It needs Jesus. It needs Jesus. And when, when, when my position is secured in Jesus Christ, I have protection. When your position is secured in Jesus Christ, you have protection. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. I can't explain why. But I do know this. Regardless of what's going on around me, I still trust Jesus. I still trust the God who sits on the throne today, who is interceding on my behalf, the Bible says. He's, he's, he's saying, hey, Dad. Dad. Uh, I want to talk to you about Jim again. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you heard Marge says that. Uh oh. Jesus Christ is still on the throne. Because Jesus Christ is still on the throne, I have protection. And when because Jesus Christ is on the throne, I have providence. I have a future that is secure. No matter what the outcome of this election is. Jesus Christ is still on the throne. Would you stand with me, please? They uh, took the clock down back there, so I have no idea how much time I've taken until I look. Here's what I know. There are people in this room tonight, whether they would want to admit it or not, that are in turmoil right now, for whatever reason. It could be because, you're, because of the, the outcome of the, or the, what looks like to be the outcome of the election. That may be creating turmoil in your mind. For the, in the minds of many Christians, it truly is. It may be something going on in your life with your finances. You may be in financial turmoil. You, just, you don't know how you're going to make it to the end of the month. I know what that's like to have a month left at the end of the money. But I also know that God is my provider. You may be in turmoil because there's, there, there's conflict in your family. Whatever it is, if it's conflict, it's not of God. And God is the God of peace. And God wants to restore peace your peace whatever kind of turmoil you are in if you are in turmoil god is here tonight to bring peace joel joel please that was that was a cue by the way